This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharad. First up today, the latest from the gift that keeps on giving because, of course... We're not talking about one in DB, are we? We are. I, I, I don't know how to describe what we're talking about anymore because, honestly, um, the Najib story has continued to roll along. Uh, it's dominating headlines. It's dominating all the portals. And that's partly because of, on the one hand, Amno, uh, partly because people are... Um, expressing, I think, a lot of discontent with it. And also because of Dr. Sri Najib Razak's lawyer, Tan Sri Muhammad Shafi Abdullah, who, uh, during a press conference at the... Uh, at court, essentially, revealed and read out a letter carrying the seal of the previous Yang Dipatuan Agung. Now, the letter was uh, received by Najib, titled Early Release Order, and it was said to shed light on a possible impasse between the former king and the pardons board. And uh, when the lawyer, when Shafi read out its contents, um, it essentially said that the pardons board had advised the outgoing Agung that Najib continue serving his sentence, but within the same document, the Agung said it seemed reasonable for him to practice his discretion that compassion be given to Najib. Yeah, so until uh, at this point, uh, we all didn't know what was in that black box, as it were, with regard to the discussions around the pardons board. Didn't stop the speculation, but we didn't, didn't know. It didn't stop the speculation, yeah. but that's okay. I mean, the public is... Uh, it has a right. I mean, in, in fact, it's impossible to stop a speculation, the absence of clear information, right? So there was speculation as to what, but uh, not just those who supported Najib and who want to see a full pardon, but I think also liberals and progressives and Democrats and people who feel that they've fought the good fight against uh, the previous administration, meaning the Najib administration, and the problems around 1MDB, uh, you know, were free to chastise the prime minister lay all the blame on, uh, at his plate and so on and so forth. So this revelation, uh, if it can be it can be called that, because I don't know if it's, anything has been confirmed, right, or triangulated, as it were, um, uh, suggests that actually it's a much more complicated story. You know, um, what is that phrase that the press likes to use? Documents have been cited. Um, and, you know, it, it means that they've been seen, right? You've, you've seen these documents with your own eyes. You may not be in possession of them, but you've seen them. This one is whatever is one step before that because people saw it and from a distance <laughs> because he, he didn't actually hand it out and disseminate it for, for members of the press to read. Instead, it was no one can accuse him of not having a, a flourish, um, a, a flair for the dramatic, but he essentially read it out. He held it up. You could see the seal and the like, but it's not as if people had it in their own hands to kind of scrutinize and read through paragraph by paragraph. So in some ways, we're, we're taking it on good faith that the letter does indeed say exactly those things. But that's where it stands, at least in terms of the um, big revelations. Though um, it must be said that he himself, the lawyer, Najib's lawyer, had previously said that the deliberations of the Pardons Board was under the Official Secrets Act. Yes. So he, um, and this is a question that's being raised now, did he him, himself 
now breach what he said was an official chief secrets act uh, kind of a document. And so um, it, it's very interesting because much of this is being played out in terms of the optics, not just for the people defending Najib or, uh, you know, campaigning for him, but also the previous Agua, who's not the Sultan of Pahang, uh, also the current administration. Now, that is one important aspect of it. Another, of course, is that um, Najib himself has said he was disappointed by by this very much lightened uh, sentence and fine because he said that he would have wished, I guess understandably, for a full pardon. Um, he's not alone in that. Amno, or at least some sections of Amno, are also continuing to push for it. And I think I um, it's it's we've said this a lot. Fault lines within that party have long been on display and I think Najib is uh, at the centre of of some of those. So anyway, this is what we'll be exploring today. And joining us to do that very shortly will be Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, uh, Director at Vriens and Partners. let us know, though, in the meantime, what are your thoughts? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.14 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about... about I don't quite know how to describe it about Najib Razak, but the, but specifically the circumstances and fallout that are continuing to happen um, around his lightened sentence. Um, and so we'd like to hear from you if you have thoughts remaining on the story that has been trundling along for two weeks now. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now, we have Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, director at Vriens and Partners. Shazwan, thanks for speaking with us today. Hello, happy to be here. So just last week, uh, Najib lawyer, Najib's lawyer, Shafi Abdullah, emphasised the highly secretive nature of the pardons, Pardon Board's deliberations, citing the Official Secrets Act. Um, but yesterday, he revealed what he said was the former Agung's call for a full pardon. What do you think is going on with the optics of this case, uh, at least from Najib's camp? Uh, I think that's a lot of... Um I think um, smoke and mirrors. Um, I think there's a lot of also um, uh, developments going on internally within Amno, given the fact that I think there are differing sort of parties or camps within the party that are, um, you know, looking at the developments over the past week, right? Um, some within Amno view, um, you know, would likely view the the decision um, made um, as a compromise of sorts. Obviously, the challenge is that um, I think there are those within the party that say that that's not enough, right? Because ultimately, the quest to free Najib was part of sort of Amno's. Um, it was something that they signed on, right? And uh, in in the last year's assembly, and it's something that's they had to be consistent in. So it's actually the the issue here is balancing that against I think political realities, and that's why we I think that's why we're having that this sort of like um, strange position that Amno has position put itself in, right? Um, there's, a, there's clearly some sort of disconnect between the AMNO leadership and also the, the so-called Najib camp. Now, before we get to AMNO, um, I, I do want to ask you how this particular letter and its purported contents change how ANWA and the Pardons Board uh, in particular are seen. 
I think I mean, if you're going with, I think based what the um, Shafi Abdullah claims to have presented yesterday, then it would appear that the decision, um, you know, by the or the advice at least on the government side was to serve out the full sentence, right? So I mean, not sure whether that's a saving grace, but there was a position I think that was adopted by the government at least or at least um, alleged by, right? Um, and therefore, it would be consistent with, I think, what the government or Anwar's administration has said they would do, right? But it's also, it's also very delicate because it's delicate in a sense that it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation that different actors may or may not want to have. But I also think it's something that will have to be addressed now rather than later because ultimately, you guys knew what you signed up for, right? When you when you started working with them, no? <laughs> I mean, this is not something that um, is an uncomfortable conversation that, you know, was not going to happen or was something that you didn't think was going to happen. It is, go- it was going to happen. It's just a matter of, you know, sooner and later. And it just happens that it's sooner and right now. And I think government has had a very tough time sort of navigating that balance or that, that fallout from that, um, from the developments over the past week. So if we focus on AMNO, what do you understand to be the various positions within the party regarding the push for a pardon? And could differences within AMNO itself escalate and lead to further fractures? I think for AMNO, it's similarly in an unenviable situation, quite like I would imagine um, the ruling coalition or ANUA PPR, right? So the AMNO as part of the ruling coalition would need to maintain, I think, their position that um, you know, they've passed that one-year Rubicon, right? The coalition building, right? You have a coalition that is likely to stand through the test of time, or at least if time is four years or one election cycle, this is the alliance that's going to hold. What do you need to do to make sure that it holds, right? Um, this latest issue would seem to rattle, right? Um, the fish, existing fissures within Amno and sort of expose the cracks within the party, but it's quite clear that the that the leadership within AMNO is um, trying to navigate that by sort of um, enhancing the fact that the prime. I mean, you've seen the AMNO, the, basically the the AMNO spokes the spokespeople stress the fact that you know this is um, that the developments is a is a result of the concerted efforts that Zahid has been trying to do as president. Or Mazlan said that you know there are things that we can say what he has done, things that have been unsaid, but you know they're trying very hard to to, to free Najib and. And, and the fact that you're having this conversation in 2024 with an Anwar government is also quite ironic. But there's that, that, that navigate, that's that's that dynamic that Amno has to balance, right? They they have this, obviously this the the, the Najib promise or sort of the the, the quest to free Najib or to sort of uh, make sure that he gets uh, his just desserts. That's on one end. But you have to navigate that with the political realities. You are in a coalition government with a coalition with a with the parties that basically came into power as a result of a campaign against your former prime minister right that's on one end but on an amno level the, there are those i think factors or factions aligned with najib that they have to also manage they can't be telling them they didn't do anything as well and they'll probably and and that's the issue here right it's it's count it's you're in a lose lose situation right so it's like uh, what position do you adopt that uh, results you in you know taking the the least damage versus what is you know um, political suicide and it's a very delicate balance. How it how it impacts voters, I think, is still I think up in the air. Right? How does any of this impact like impact the Amno grassroots? Do they care? That's a that's a good question, and I think that's something that Amno has to ask itself um, right now. 
Well, in fact, Shazon, that's the question I was going to ask you, <laughs> which is, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who feel that uh, Najib did not get a fair trial, I mean, how do we, how deeply felt are these de- sentiments? How pervasive are they, uh, you know, and in, 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 in some sense, you know, can they be ignored completely by those who lead the party? I don't think they can be ignored simply because Najib, you know, like it or not, still holds considerable influence within the party. The narrative is that um, his legacy or his leadership sort of was Amno's, I think, um, probably Amno's uh, glory layers or last years of glory before. But he was also, ironically, the same actor that resulted in the downfall, right? Um, there, there is definitely influence in terms of the Amno warlords, the different levels, right? The people, uh, and and they're def- definitely to address that, right? But I think how much does the Najib factor impact the young voters? The, I mean, basically, Amno's grassroots, uh, the voters of tomorrow, the first-time voters, that's that's another question. I think there's a disconnect there, right? Um, like, if you were to just, like, is there a potential for Amno to basically move beyond Najib? Taking out loud, just basically taking, taking what has been offered, swallow that loss, and then just push on for another day? I think... That's like a, uh, an option that Amno can has is probably thinking about, but hasn't had the ability to sort of decide on, and I think it will sort of impact them down the line right, in next election, right? I mean, the only the only thing I think they probably have going for them is the fact that there is a there appears to be quite a silence from the opposition in the matter, whereas one would think strategically this will be a surefire issue for the opposition to sort of take. Um, uh, you know, basically take to score sort of political points, right? But from what we see, uh, I think a lot of the outrage, a lot of the sort of comments are coming from either PH's own supporters, right? Um, the reformists, um, so and also from Anwar's camp. It seems to be internal rather than external. So if we talk about... Um Zayed Hamidi, he has announced that his part, the party, of course, is going to fight for Najib's full pardon with up to a million signatories expected. Is this indicative of the level of grassroots support that Najib Razak continues to enjoy or is this just to keep the disgruntled segments appeased? Um, I think whether or not... Uh, I, I, I think it's... Um, I think it's uh, the things that Zahid needs to say, officially, right? I, I, I am, I, I'm not sure how much... I mean, how valid is the one million so-called signatures, right, that you can collect? Um, or how much of it is reflective in the grassroots? Because, I mean, the noise, uh, I think, on Najib over the past few, you know, the past year or two was pretty much minimal, right? Up Leading to this, the leading up to the months or the weeks of the rumours of the pardon, right? Or oh, sorry, even the discussions about what the pardon spot would decide. Um, you know, it's been, uh, it, it wasn't, I think, top of mind. Like even within, at least um, you know, on, on a public level within um, Amno, Amno sort of actors, uh, it remains to be seen whether it's. I mean, it's something that Amno will have to probably f- figure out themselves, right? Um, like I, I personally don't think. I personally think it Najib, the Najib factor is a factor, but it's probably tied to a bit more of Amno's leadership and Amno's warlords and Amno. You need those warlords to be able to function effectively as a party, right? As a united party. That's the problem here. Whether it extends to the grassroots, uh, I personally think that there is probably some limit limitations there. Um, I don't think it's um, as what is being described by you know the 
the pro-Najib Amno faction within the party. Yeah, so, you know, to kind of extend that, two days ago, Amno Secretary General Ashraf Wajid Dusuki denied that its grassroots leader called upon the party to ex- exit the coalition government, and that is the unity government, over the uh, Najib pardon issue. Uh, so, I mean, to extend this, I mean, the party leaders and grassroots really not on the same page, do you think, about this? How do you think this plays out in terms of their rhetoric? I think... Party, I think Amno's party leaders and grassroots have not been on the same page for some time. Um, this latest episode, you know, quit. I think calls or discussions or threats to quit the unity government. Um, I think it, I think it should be treated as common stance, right? I, I I believe internally these things are raised every every few months, or if not, you know, it's if you're not having these discussions, then there's something wrong with this political party, right? Um, but I think ultimately. Um, if you're thinking about Amno's stability, at least in the future, like reconfiguration of how it would sort of pivot itself and function as a party in the next GE with this alliance, then there is more incentive for Amno to double down on making sure that this arrangement or this alliance with um, you know um, uh, with Pakatan sort of outlasts um, all these issues, lah, right? Um, because ultimately, um, what do you want as Amno, right? the allure of power, the ability to stay in control, right? They're in power in government or, you know, fighting for the freedom of um, uh, a beloved Amno leader. It's a tricky question. I don't, I personally don't have the answer, but I think if logic dictates, I think Amno is a party that wants to survive politically. I think they would pick the former rather than the latter. But I could be wrong. I'd like to also touch on the Prime Minister's position because Anwar Ibrahim seems to be attacked from all sides, including um, very vociferously from Pakatan supporters. Do you think he played his cards well? I, I think I think he was put in a position where there would not ha- there would have unlikely been an outcome which would have been like favourable to him, right? Um, uh, given the fact of the sensitivities surrounding the decision, the, you know, the king's prerogative. The, sec- the elements of secrecy, right, um, and what his role is supposedly in this whole decision-making process. What he did was to, um, I, I guess, when the decision was found out, he was asked about it. He just relayed official information, procedurally what happened, what his limitations were, right, and and basically, you know, if if you are disgruntled or aggrieved, or at least on Najib's end, he can apply for a sort of uh, an appeal, right. Um, I, I think he. I think it was unfair to um, personally to sort of heap that blame on him, right? Um, however, I think the government could have done better, um, or at least the political parties could have done better in sort of communicating this. It didn't help that they spent an extraordinarily long amount of time neither confirming nor denying the developments. And that really sort of led up into the building of the distrust, right? So when it finally, when the announcement finally happened, it was like, you basically um, held on to this unverified news for a week and just basically let it all out. And by that time, it was very hard to contain or sort of backtrack or sort of like navigate or mitigate the fallout from that because the the, the conception was, um, you know, you guys were, were basically being secretive about it, be dishonest, and you know, and then it was, and then it was very hard to contain. It. And now it's just basically just damage control. Chosen, we have less than a minute. Uh... Quick question: How do you think this impacts the outgoing Agung, the Sultan of uh, Pahang? I mean, I, <laughs> I think um, 
I think the the Sultan has a, his discretion to I think uh, act on the purview of his uh, role and responsibilities for reasons known to the to the, to the outgoing king. Um, he did so, right? But um, but ultimately, I think um, that's a decision that would have to be I think addressed on another level. I think what's more important is how the government sort of like um, gets past this episode and sort of like moves forward, right? Because ultimately, despite all the conversations that are happening, I don't think you're gonna this government is going to dissolve anytime soon, right? So the question is, how do you move forward? What's the next step? How do you sort of um, do? How do you damage control to make sure that this is mitigated at least for the immediate term? Shazwan, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. That was Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, director at Brians and Partners, talking about uh, the recent twists and turns uh, in the Najib Razak non-pardon, half-pardon story. Keep those thoughts coming. We'll be back after the news. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.